welcome. We love you. Hey, family. And, Great uh, to see you. What? We're going to go ahead and invite someone else up, I think. Uh, yeah, real quick. Hey, if you're going to give to Maui two things. One, uh, please do it above and beyond your regular tithes and offerings. Otherwise, we're just robbing Peter to pay Paul. Um, remember, you can never outgive God. He will multiply and give it back to you. And or text uh, you can, on the drop-down menu you know there's general offerings and then there's all sorts of ways you can give benevolence and stuff there's a Maui on there okay why way in Maui so when you give look for look for the drop-down menu and it'll say Maui why so you'll be given specifically to that all right so um, it, it's such a joy for me to be able to or, or for me to be back on the very Sunday that Jen Wynn happens to be back from Thailand and she is uh, headed back Wednesday. She came home to get her daughter set up for college. But Jim, will you come up real quick? Give us a little pitch on, a little uh, information on why the heck you are in Thailand. Come on up here. Come on, come on, come on. And then we're going to lay hands and we're going to send you back to Thailand, all right? And Stephanie oversees our world mission. So I'm asking Stephanie to stay up here. And Mark, if you'll come join us and we'll lay hands on uh, Jen and pray over her. I love that. Well, Two groups of my heroes in life are, are missionaries and teachers. And I never thought that I would have the opportunity to be both and serve both at this crazy time of my life. Many of you know I just graduated law school. I just took the bar exam. <laughs> while, while she is a single mom of four teenage girls. Um, no, that's number one. That's number one. Yes, yes. Um, but... I think with, with all of you all, we're just trying to seek God and follow him. And the opportunity opened up in Thailand while I was there to serve an urgent need at the school there in the missionary community. And I said yes. So I've been back and forth um, from Thailand and San Diego multiple times. I'll be going back Wednesday and um, just blessed to serve, blessed to be here, and blessed to serve an amazing and perfect God. And so, and your youngest daughter, April, is with you there, right? That's right. That's the last piece of the puzzle is that um, she found a school and a community there that she loves. And I think will serve her big purpose in life, which is either to be and or a missionary one day. So yeah. um, investing in that destiny as well. And your oldest daughter, Joy, uh, Joy. Yes. Just went to college. Yes. So you took her up to Santa Barbara. Yes. A so, lot of changes yeah. <laughs> going on. Yes. Yeah. And then your uh, other two daughters are here with us. They are. They're right. finishing up high school here. Okay. And, um, mm -hmm. and so when God calls you to do something, from the outside looking in, it looks insane. It does. Right? <laughs> it's, not, it's not logical for a single mom to go to Thailand with your youngest daughter while the older one goes to college and the other two stay back with, with uh, Meemaw. Is that what you guys call her? You guys call her Meemaw? Harmony. No? What do you call her? What you... Harmony. Mm, harmony. Harmony. Grandma. Grandma. Yeah. That's grandma. grandma. You just call her Grandma. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. That's what I was looking for. I was looking for the handle. Teaching you know. some Korean, like, but he didn't get Yeah. So, but when you're in the will of God, there's like an unexplainable peace, isn't there? Yes, very real and very unexplainable. Yeah. It's like you would never have blueprinted this. So it's good to just see what the Father's doing and do what he says, right? Yes, and Thailand is an amazing country. If you've been there or you haven't, um, God's doing amazing things. Um, and it's, it's a privilege to be able to be there and, um, and see God's heart for um, all of Southeast Asia, actually. So you're in a... Uh, the, the school where the missionaries kids go to school there right and so you're going to be teaching in that school yeah so there are missionaries that send their kids there from uh and serve all over southeast asia all over the world wow um and so i'm at a very special special school with a lot of special students what an opportunity all right let's reach our hands out to jen and let's bless her and pray and we're sending her from the gathering place church to thailand to bring the gospel Let's just listen to the Holy Spirit, and we're going to pray.
Jen, you have a very, obviously, we all know it, you have a very, very fine mind and intellect. Mm -hmm. And you have a tremendous heart for God. You have both the mind of Christ and the heart of Christ. The Lord's going to add Jesus. a prophetic uh, ministry to what you do. You're so good at operating in the rational. You're going to operate in the trans-rational. You're going to uh, receive his thoughts and, and his passions for people. You're going to speak it to them. And they won't be just words. Uh, people will experience his love when you speak about his love. He's going to give you specific messages for these kids. Things that, that, uh, that are absolutely accurate, but they won't know. <laughs> they can't explain it. How did you know that? And you'll be able to say uh, that well, that was from God, and it's because he loves you so yeah. much. So it's going, to be a mission, it's going to be a mission of love in, in every way. And watch for those promptings of the Holy Spirit. And be prepared to take risks in saying what you think he's saying. Because he's going to do it, and you're going to see tremendous results. Yes. Stephanie? Um, I think the Lord was just showing me how in serving the kids of missionaries, you are enabling uh, them to be on the field. And there's such a large percentage of people who have never heard Jesus. Um, you're a part of those ministries. While you're in ministering to the kids, you are a part of reaping the harvest in Southeast Asia. And you're also providing these kids with love and ministry that they need and potentially um, raising up a second generation of missionaries. So we just bless you. Yeah, so we send you uh, from the Gathering Place Church, we send you to Thailand to bring the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Well, good morning, church. Good morning, online community. Thank you for joining us today. Everybody say, wow, wait before we go there. Um, so my wife, I've been out for a couple of months, just for you, those of you who don't know. Uh, we are fighting for her life, and we're believing for a miracle. God has moved a mountain. He can move it again, right? Yeah, so um, uh, my wife is battling cancer, and so I was out because she had six weeks of daily radiation, which really uh, sucked the life out of her. She's trying to regain her strength. Um, she's lost 40 pounds in six weeks. Um, two months, and she's now, uh, we're trying to get her to eat so that she can regain her strength and then go back on chemo. Uh, but Jesus, everybody say, but Jesus. You see, this is where the impossible and Jesus collide. So let's be people of faith, not fear. Amen? All right, so can we pray for my wife real quick before we go in online community? Please join me. Lord, we lift up my wife, Hope, before your throne. You are the miracle worker. You are the God of miracles. And Lord, we have seen you in my family. We have a story after story after story after story after story of answered prayer in our family. And in this church, we're asking for another one, Lord. We ask that you raise up my wife, Lord, from that sick bed and put her back on her feet, back into full health, back into her calling in Jesus' name and for your glory. We rebuke the devil. We rebuke the enemy. We rebuke cancer. Lord, in the mighty name of your son, Jesus Christ, and we pray for Jesus' restoration power to be seen again in my family. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. All right. Okay. But now I get to preach. Okay. Everybody say Jesus. Say religion. Do it again. Say Jesus. Say religion. Okay, one more time. Say Jesus. Jesus. Say religion. Jesus. As long as we keep those two separate, we're going to be healthy people. But he gets mixed up with religion in our minds and in the minds of every person that lives on the planet all the time. That's where it gets so convoluted and unjust 
because it misrepresents who Jesus really is. When people say, well, I tried Christianity, it didn't work for me. It's like, that didn't even make sense. You know, I have one person say, well, I was raised in it. Well, there's the problem. It's not an it, it's a him. Can I hear an amen? amen. Can we gather like this and we have structure and administration and we have, you know, music and we have, uh, we have, we set up the chairs and we have people coming and gathering and we give our money. All of that is part of the kingdom of God. But without the king, what do we have? What do we have without the king? You see, we are kingdom citizens of the kingdom of God, and Jesus is our king. And so we cannot get, um, we cannot get that convoluted. And when Jesus came to the earth, he ran smack dab into the face of of a culture that was embalmed in religion, and they called it God. They had taken, because there was 400, I can't, I'm not going to do a whole Old Testament Bible study here, but let me just expedite. Uh, They had taken God's Ten Commandments, and they had extrapolated them all the way out to 633 rules. So they, uh, it would be an understatement to say they overcomplicated God's 10 rules of healthy living. Like, you know, the 10 commandments are smart. Don't cheat on your spouse. Is that a good one? Right? Don't take innocent life. Don't murder. Is that a good one? Okay. Don't go in court and tell lies about somebody. False witness. Is that a good one? Right? We still don't steal. Is that a good one? You guys are getting quiet on me. Do you like to steal or something? Am I? (laughs) I'm not trying to convict you right now. I'm just trying to explain that God God gave us 10 rules for having a healthy soul, healthy relationships, a healthy society. But because they, when Jesus came to the earth, because this people group, the Israelites, Uh, the Jews in Jerusalem at that time in world history did not have a relationship with God. If you don't have a relationship with God, all you have left are rules. And most people view Christianity as a religion of rules. Even Christians. Even church-going Christians. Maybe even some church-going Christians at the Gathering Place Church. Because when you don't have an ongoing, daily, interactive relationship with God, all you have left is rules. The rules that God gave to us for healthy living. And so then we spend our lives trying to keep the rules. And we wonder why we're dry. We wonder why we're bored. We wonder why we're shamed and condemned. Because we keep failing and keeping the rules. That's called religion. Religion, man-made religion, which I hate. And I know that's a strong word, but God hates things too. In the Bible, it, it says that God hates six things, seven are an abomination to him. And Give me a second here. Man-made religion is this. It is making rules that we have to keep so that we can reach God. Christianity is God reaching us. That's the difference. Every religion on the planet is a works religion. We're working our way to get God to accept us. Christianity is you'll never be accepted by God because there's no way you can keep all the rules of righteousness. So God came down and reached us. That's Christianity. It's a, it, is, it is a relationship based on grace, not rules. 
Should we keep the rules? Well, of course, because that's just smart. But you can't even keep the rules without God, because God is the one that gives us the power to follow him and to follow his ways. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Jesus came to the earth, and they had taken these 633 rules, and they were using them to control people, and they used fear and shame to do it. Pharisees walking around, making sure everybody in society was keeping the rules. And if they weren't keeping the rules, there's penalties for that. Like, for example, one of the rules was you're not allowed to work on the Sabbath. Okay? Well, that's one of the Ten Commandments, keep the Sabbath. Okay, it, it's supposed to be for our good. And so God says, hey, I didn't design you to work seven days a week. You're going to break down just like an engine. You're just going to wear out and break down. Work six days, six days and rest one day. And so God gives that to us. They decided, okay, then what we need to do is we need to define what work is. Okay, uh, let's walking is work. God didn't say this. You see what's happening right now? You take something good that God gives to us, and then we decide, well, then what that means is we have to decide what the definition of work is. And we've decided that work, that walking is work. Well, yeah, but if I walk from my kitchen to my living room, is that work? Well, no, that's not work. Okay, how many steps can you take? And then we'll call it work. Okay, they came up with an arbitrary number, a thousand. You're allowed to take a thousand steps on the Sabbath, and it's not considered work. But 1,001 steps, you're in trouble. You just broke the Sabbath. So they call them, in Judaism, they call them fences. In other words, the first fence is, is to protect uh, the rules. The first fence is you have a fence around, uh, don't work on the Sabbath, keep the Sabbath. Okay, well, this other fence is, what's the definition of work? That's to protect the, 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 the Sabbath commandment. Okay, what's work? We define that. Okay, well, it's walking. How much walking? Okay, that's a, that's a thousand. That's another fence. So they, they call them fences. You put fences around the fences to protect the core value. And so what they decided was this. Okay, well, if walking is work, and I want to take a walk on the Sabbath, we're going to get a little exercise, but I have to keep it under a thousand feet, then here's what you can do. Here's how you can get around the rule. And this is what we do in Christianity. If you don't have a relationship with God, we're related to the rules. And so that we're always either trying to keep the rules, that's what we keep our mind on, or we're trying to get around the rules, or we rationalize the rules that we are not living. Rather than just having a relationship with God. And so they said, okay, let's do this. The definition of home is where you eat. So if be, the day before the Sabbath, if you walk beyond a thousand feet, a thousand steps, and you dig a hole and you put food in it, that's considered home because that's where you eat. Then on the Sabbath, when you're in your actual home, you're allowed to walk to where you buried that food, even if it's past a thousand feet, because you're going to eat. And wherever you eat is considered your home. That's the way you can take a walk on the Sabbath and not break the law. That was just one of 633 rules. This is what Jesus came into when he came to the earth. The reason I explained all that was because we're going to see Jesus collide with religion. Okay, you guys ready? Here we go. John chapter 5, one, uh, verse 1 through 24. By the way, I'm dipping into the Life of Jesus series that we're in right now. We're going to do this today. I'm going to teach you again next week. And then uh, in September, third week Sunday from now, we're going to start a brand new series simply called courage because you and i have got to have courage in life especially as a believer especially in this day and age so that's coming in three weeks next two weeks we're going to continue in the life of jesus series okay so john chapter 5 verse 1 through 4 after this there was a feast of the jews and jesus went up to jerusalem now there in jerusalem by the sheep gate uh a pool which is called in the hebrew bethesda having five porches. And these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool, stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Okay, I'm not going to explain that other than to say God can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants, through whomever he wants. 
verse 5 through 6. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. There was a man who had an infirmity 38 years. It doesn't matter if you got sick yesterday or 38 years ago. Jesus can heal you. It doesn't matter how long you've been depressed, how long you've been addicted, how long you've been diseased. Matter. The timeline doesn't intimidate God. You can't say, well, I've been this way my whole life. I guess that's just the way it's going to be. Not when Jesus comes on the scene. Can I hear an amen, church? Not when Jesus shows up. We cannot limit God with our natural analysis of the situation. We just have to let Jesus be Jesus. There is nothing too difficult for him. Jesus saw him lying there. He knew he had already been in that condition a long time and said, ah, you know, it had been 37 years I could have healed you, but now it's been 38. That's just beyond my scope. That's above my pay grade. I don't have that much strength or miraculous power. Darn it. We missed it by a year. Is that what he said? What did he say? He asked him a question. Do you want to be made well? What a strange question for Jesus to ask somebody who has been lame for 38 years. Why do you think Jesus would ask him that question? Why do you think Jesus would ask you that question? Do you want to be made well? Talk to me. Give me an answer. Why would he ask that question? Commitment? Willingness? Might have to get a job. It's a partnership. You may find this strange. You may find this offensive, what I'm about to say to you. It's not always the case, but sometimes it is. I had a guy that came up for prayer for something else, and he had a physical ailment, and I was going to pray for it. And he said, no, 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 because I, I, I have to get my SSI check. And if I get healed, then I'm not going to get my SSI check from the government. You've got to decide that self-pity or pity from others is not worth the payoff of getting healed. You've got to decide that an SSI check is not, is, is not better than being healed. You, you've got to decide that taking responsibility for your life once you get healed is better than being sick. You've got to decide that. Some people do not want their situation to change because they're comfortable in their dilemma. It's become their identity. And I'm not saying that because I'm mean-spirited. It's just truth. That's why Jesus even said to a blind, two blind men, what do you want me to do for you? Uh, I, I thought if you were the Messiah, you could figure this one out. But, you know, and here he says, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? What a question. The Lord's asking you today, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming down, another steps down before me. We have all sorts of excuses of why we can't get out of our situation. But do I love what Jesus did right here. He just ends the conversation. He just ends the con His compassion and his power just blew right through this guy's world. And he says, rise, take up your bed and walk. Don't you love that? Rise, take up your bed and walk. That is our Jesus. He can come up to any situation that we think is impossible. And his compassion and power can break right through it in an instant. Just rise and take up your bed and walk. And immediately, everybody say immediately. I love the immediately's in the Bible. And immediately, not gradually, immediately the man was made well. Took up his bed and walked. But there was a problem. There was a big problem, Will. This should have been a day of rejoicing for the spiritual community. The whole religious community in Jerusalem should have been shouting and dancing and celebrating the God of healing. Oh my gosh, look what God, oh wow. If it was only done on Monday.
Saturday. Because Saturday is supposed to be the day of rest. And healing a man who's been sick for 38 years is work. Darn it. Darn it. That's not allowed. You're not allowed to actually bring rest to somebody on the day of rest. Because we're worshiping the day of rest. And he's carrying his bed. You're not allowed to carry something on the day of rest. Can you see what they've done to the rule that was supposed to bring life? They made the rule the thing that they worship. Rather than the God who gives the rules. I'm going to give you an example of what this looks like. Uh, I'm going to ask a couple people to come up here and help me real quick. And I'm going to show you what this looks like in the life of a Christian. When we have decided that the rules that are in the book become the point rather than the rule giver. Rather than relating to the one who gave us the rules for life, we are relating to the rules themselves. And we're gritting our teeth, using our willpower and our religious zeal to just be a Christian and not sin. Like that becomes the goal. So here we have the rules. You know, I need help. I need to learn how to drive. I got to take a driver's test. Can you please help me? Oh, thanks. Oh, man. California driver's manual. Oh, my gosh. What? What lane do I have to stay in? How do you take a, what? How do you, you take a left? You're not allowed to take, okay, dotted line, straight line. Okay, there's four lanes. Okay, this one, there's two, okay. You're on, how fast can you go in a residential? How fast can you go in the freeway? How fast can you go to school zone? What's that? Okay. What is, I, there are just too many rules in here. I need help understanding. I don't even understand some of this. They got graphs in here. They got pictures, pictures of accidents. I don't understand this. I, I, need, I need help with this. Great. I'm left to the rule book. When Josiah, who just, he has his permit right now, and he and I were, we got the rule book and we're reading through them. How many of you passed the test, the written test on the first try? Okay. Not even half of you. How many of you took two tries? You're not going to admit it, are you? How many of you took three tries? Uh, there we go. We still have some more. One of Josiah's friends, how many tries was it, Josiah? 13 or 14. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, it's scary that that person's on the road. It wasn't until we got to the driver le driver's lessons that the driving instructor was in the car, and he started explaining the rules to us. Like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. Like, Josiah was saying, why do I have to look over my shoulder? I have a mirror here, and I have a mirror here, right? The rule says you have to look over your shoulder. But why? And so the guy said, well, I'll show you why. He gets out of the car, and he goes, and he stands over in Josiah's blind spot. And he says, do you see me in your side mirror? No. Do you see me in your rear view mirror? No. Look over your shoulder. Do you see me? Oh, yeah, there you are. That's why how we hit motorcycles, right? Or somebody or something you're not expecting to be there, right? But once he started explaining stuff and we're joking about it, we're laughing and he's, you know, and he helped us out, we began to understand it. It was the difference between having a relationship with a book and a relationship with the actual person who understands the book. Or like we went into the para-athlete world. My gosh, what a world, man. Hey, can you help me? My, my son, he's, he's a para-athlete, and we, we don't understand. Um, can you help me with this? We need to understand the para-athlete world. Oh, thanks a lot. Oh, my gosh. This is what it was like when I would go online, and I'm looking, Josiah and I are looking at the para-athlete rules and regulations and 
how you get certified and what lane you're allowed to be in, what lane you're not allowed to be in, and what his chair has to look like and how big it has to be and how heavy it has to be. And, and it's like, oh my gosh, I don't understand this. So we go to nationals. First time we've been there, it was like, you know, Mr. Smith goes to Washington, D.C. For those of you that are over 50, you know what I just said. And we're going to those nationals and we're like, we don't even know. Literally, we couldn't find the track. And that's not just like a joke. We couldn't, we didn't know where to go. I go to a coach's meeting and I'm sitting in the coach's meeting. I'm not a coach. I'm just his dad, right? And I'm sitting in the meeting and they said, we give you, we gave you four bibs. I turned to the guy next to me and I said, what's a bib? I'm thinking it's a, something you put on when you're eating spaghetti so it doesn't splatter on your shirt, right? A bib they put on athletes, right? You know how they have it on their back or they have it on their car or have it on their right? A bib is. He looked at me and he was like, you know, you're, you're going to learn a lot while you're here, right? Well, he, this coach, after he saw how good Josiah was, took us under his wing, and he started explaining everything to us. And I stayed real close to him, man. I went everywhere he went. And then he, and then he recruited Josiah to be on his team. So this year, we went back. We were on this coach's team, and I became his assistant, and he explained everything to me. What about life? What about just life? Can you explain to me why we are here what we're supposed to be doing, where we came from, and where we're going. Oh, my gosh. There's more rules in here. There isn't any of these other things. Oh, how am I ever going to understand all these rules and do them? This is impossible. God! I didn't know you were here. I've been here the whole time. Oh my Join me. God, that is so cool. Hey, can I ask you some questions about your rule book? Uh, sure, but that's not a rule book. That's a book about how to have a life-giving relationship with me. Dude, that's awesome. Uh, but there are a lot of rules in here. You know that, right? Yeah. Can I ask you about some of them? Absolutely. Okay, great. This is awesome. Okay, this no sex before marriage thing, you know that's crazy, right? And people think we're crazy when we talk about it. It's for your good. Uh, how's, that, <laughs> how's that for my good? Everything in there is for your good. I'm not here to steal your joy. Sure seems like it. Well, <laughs> remember, I was the one who came up with this idea. Oh, good point. And created it. Wow, okay. This is something for two people to, to be intimate with, using, through. Uh -huh. Two people can become close. Uh -huh. And it's to be enjoyed within the bonds of marriage. Why? To, to protect and to bless you. Dude, that, 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 that makes sense. Okay, I got another one for you. Can I ask you another one? Absolutely. Okay. This tithing thing, like giving 10% of my income to you like that's a lot of money do you like really need my money i don't need your money but you need to give it why well several reasons first of all is uh, you want to tell me this is good for me too it is good for you i don't get that because okay let's say i have a thousand dollars and then i give you a hundred of it and i have 900 left how is that good for me i just lost a hundred bucks well it's good in several different ways one is it keeps your eyes on me, not on money. I am your source, not money. Oh, that's pretty good. It also gives you a chance to be part of something bigger than yourself, my kingdom. And also, remember, you can't outgive me. Whatever you give, I will multiply and give it back to you. <laughs> well, if that's all true, I'm not saying you're a liar. I would never. But that sounds awesome. Okay, can I ask you one more? Absolutely. For now, anyway, because I got a lot. Keep asking. Okay, this forgiving people that hurt me thing. I don't understand. They get to hurt me and then they get away with it? Whoever said they get away with it? Once you give them to me, they become my concern and I deal with them. But you are freed from the burdens, the bitterness, and everything that weighs down and destroys your relationships. Wow. Boy, that does sound like your rules are good for me. Good deal. Uh, that's great, but I, but I need your help. I'm here for you. Uh, 
Okay, what's up with this guy? He's there to show you that you need me. Uh, well, he did a pretty good job. <laughs> I know. He's like worthless. Go ahead. By the way, weren't, weren't you going to a concert last Sunday night? Yeah, yeah, the San Diego Pops. Yeah, it was a jazz concert. Yep. And your brother-in-law was the drummer? Yeah, 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 but yeah. it got rained out. Ah. Oh, yeah. Bummer. Yeah. Well. But they rescheduled it. You're right. Do you mind if I go with you? Huh? You like, you like music? I love music. I created music. I especially like jazz. You like worship music. Oh, John, there's a lot that you don't know about me <laughs> yet. But the great thing is, if, we, if you invite me to this concert, you don't even have to buy me a ticket. <laughs> All right, I'll see you there. See you there. Awesome, great. Okay. That's the difference between religion, trying to keep the rules in your own human power, trying to be accepted by God, and actually having a relationship with the one who gave us the rules for healthy living. Can I hear an amen? amen. And so, back to Jesus healing this guy on the Sabbath. In verse 10, it says this. The leaders rejoiced that Jesus healed this man on the Sabbath. Is that what it says? No. The Jews, therefore, said to him who cured him, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. They totally missed the purpose of the Sabbath. So that's why Jesus had to say to them in Mark chapter 2, verse 27, He said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. What do you think that means? Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Based on what you've learned today so far, just talk to me, somebody. What does that mean? Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. What's that? So, so he would rest. So the Sabbath was given to us by God to serve us. We're not supposed to serve the Sabbath. Do you see how we get that flipped around? Okay, I'm going to step on a sacred cow right here. You guys may never want to be in this church again, but let, just hear me out. We have something called a marriage covenant that God gave to us. And divorce, you, you're going to, it's going to be a long day before I would endorse a, a divorce. But let me ask you a question. God gave us the covenant of marriage to be a what? It starts with a B, blessing. blessing. God gave us the covenant of marriage to be a blessing to those in the marriage. But let me ask you a question. Put your thinking caps on. If that covenant is doing more damage than good, doing more damage than good, do you think God cares more about the covenant or the people in the covenant? Some of you have been in marriages where you were abused. And religious leaders have told you, you have to stay in that marriage because God hates divorce. Isn't that true? God does hate divorce. And he says, why? Because it says it, it creates violence. It rips people apart. Right? However, do you think God cares more about the person or the people in the marriage that are being abused? Or does he care more about their commitment to the covenant? The people. That's just one example of how structure is given to serve us, not us serve the structure. A covenant is given to be a blessing so the covenant's there to serve us. We're not there to serve the covenant. So when I have spoken over the 40 years of ministry to somebody who's in the covenant, and they are being abused, not like he doesn't talk to me anymore, he doesn't listen to me, or, or she doesn't, you know, um, you know, 
give me what I want, when I want it, and how I want it. That's just called marriage, right? Marriage is hard. It's a sanctification process. Staying committed is critical. I've been married for almost 30 years, so I'm just, uh, just getting started compared to some of you. Some of you, you think I've been married for 100 years. But once you've been married almost 30 years, it's hard because you've got to learn how not to be selfish. And that's hard. To be selfless is hard because we're selfish by fallen nature. Me, me, me. Gimme, gimme, gimme. My name is Jimmy. I mean, we want what we want. We want it how we want it. We want it when we want it, right? So marriage is hard. I'm not talking about hard. I'm talking about abuse. I'm talking about when the covenant does more damage than good. It's more about the people than the covenant. Am I going to get an amen from at least one person in here today? Jesus came to set us free from religion. He came to set us free from relating to God based on a set of rules that we must keep. He's inviting us, he's inviting you into a friendship. Jesus did not, now catch this, Jesus has not primarily called us to be moral people. He's called us to follow him. And if we will follow him, we will naturally be moral people. Next week, we're going to continue this story and learn how Jesus teaches the religious leaders the difference between religion and relationship. He says, I only do what I see my father doing. I only say what I hear my father say. Jesus isn't looking at the rules and trying to memorize and trying to keep them, nor should we be. We should be looking at Him, listening to Him, relating to Him, and following Him. If we will, morality is natural to us. In fact, in the garden, did you know that there were many trees, but there were two in particular that we need to give our attention to? Do you know what those two trees were called? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil and, and the tree of life. There were two trees in the garden of significance. Everybody say the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The other one, say tree of life. God said to the human race, if you eat, I'm going to come to a close with this, so keep your antennas up. If you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall, what? Die spiritually you will die why 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 would that why why would that be if i eat from a tree that gives me perfect knowledge of good and evil why would that cause me to spiritually die somebody what do you think we take on the role of god somebody else focus our focus becomes our behavior we become experts at the rules that define good and evil and there's only two things that will happen if you become an expert with the rules one you're going to keep them for a few minutes and so you're going to feel proud and you're going to turn into a little Pharisee. Because once you've decided, I'm going to start reading my Bible again, and you read a chapter a day for seven days, then you run into your Christian brother or sister, and they haven't picked up their Bible all week. You're like, seriously? You don't even read the Bible? And yet you hadn't for like four months before that. But now that you've been back into your spiritual disciplines... You see, spiritual disciplines in themselves, now catch this, fasting is not an end in itself. Yet we fast and we get prideful because I fasted twice this week, Mark. How many times did you fast? Oh, I know the answer to that. Don't, you don't have to embarrass yourself, okay? 
Yeah, see? See? I didn't fast twice this week, by the way, and I don't know what he did this week. That whole thing was a joke. Okay, but it's not a joke because that's what happens to us. We think we fast. Fasting is the point. Reading the Bible becomes the point. Praying becomes the point. Giving money becomes the point. None of that's the point. All of those are spiritual disciplines that help us connect to the point, and his name is Jesus. And so you either become prideful if you're living out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because you become an expert with the rules, or you become depressed because you're filled with shame and condemnation because you aren't keeping up with the rules. Classes and colleges and schools on ethics are a joke. Like, who decides what's right and wrong? Who wrote the book? Who wrote the ethics book that you're learning in school? Who wrote it? Who's the author? Who decides what's right and wrong? Somebody that decided, or whoever riots the most, or whoever has the most money, whoever has the most political influence, decides what morality looks like. Oh, there is no absolute truth. Well, that's an absolute truth. That statement's an absolute truth. So who gets to decide what's right and wrong, what's good and evil? Only God can. That's why he says, if you guys live out of the knowledge of good and evil and try to define yourselves, you're going to have total loss. And that's what we have. Or you can live out of the tree of life. What is that? That's a relationship with a, the, the God of love. A grace-filled, power-filled, love-filled relationship with the God who came to the earth in the form of a man to rescue us from our unrescuable condition. Not to invite us back into a religion, but into a life-giving, love-filled relationship with Him. So I want to encourage you today, family of God, and I'm encouraging me, to remember the book is simply a pathway to God Himself. He wants to hear from you. He wants you to hear from him. Because that is where the power of walking with God comes from. Now it's very easy as believers. Some of you could have preached what I just preached, but you're not living it. See, it's not about knowledge, it's about experience. Some of you are a believer, and you know what I just said is true. But you need a renewal in your relationship with God. Trying to be on the straight and narrow. Trying not to disappoint God. Just forget about that. And just come back to a fresh Love for God. Let God touch you again. That's the response. People confront me about my faith, my religion, and they do the apologetics on me. They talk about, they talk about how can Noah get have you know seven million animals in a boat? It's not logical. And what about seven days of creation? And what about the resurrection? What about the Bible written by man? How about and you get you get these. This is what I usually, I try to answer some of the questions, but I always say, look, just like my son and I were watching The Chosen last night, and Mary Magdalene had seven demons cast out of her, and the Pharisee, the leader of the rules, was saying to her, who did this? Why did they do it? Where did they do it? When did they do it? How did they do it? And she finally just looked at him with peace in her eyes and said, all I can tell you is I was bound, but now I'm free. And that's my ultimate answer when people confront me about my theology. I just at one point say, look, I was 19 years old. I was empty. I prayed a pathetic prayer. Jesus, I don't know if you're real or not, but if you are, I'm inviting you into my life. 
and the emptiness left, and it's never come back. And that was almost 40 years ago. I can't explain it all, but I can explain Him. Once you've been touched by Jesus, you don't have to have all the answers. They asked this man, who did this? He said, I don't know. All I know is I was diseased for 38 years and now I'm not. Do you want that kind of life-giving relationship with God? Do you want to get that kind of life-giving relationship with God back? Let's all stand. Hey, Josh, you want to come up and help me here? How many of you have a best friend? Raise your hand. How many of you used to have a best friend? Raise your hand. <laughs> yeah. 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 Just remember the, the, the good part of that. So what would you say is uh, some of the characteristics of your best friendship? Like what? Why is it a best friendship? What is it about that? Always there. Huh? Talk about anything. Huh? Not judgmental. Not judgmental. They love you. Fun. They listen. They're on your side. Huh? They don't leave when you mess up. Huh? You can trust them. Do you all realize you just described the relationship that God is offering us? How many of you want that? How many of you want that? How many of you want more of that? Lord, we come against religion in this house today. Our self-willed human efforts to make it to you. And we say, Lord, we don't want any more of that. We just want you. Come on, just raise your hands to him in here today. You online, just raise your hands to him and just say, Lord, I want a fresh and filling of your spirit. I want a a relational renewal with you. I want to come back to my first love with Jesus. Let's just go back into worship here. And let's just worship Jesus again. Let's come back to him. God of wonders, your power has no end. For the things you've done before, in greater measure, you would do again. Cause there's no prison wall you can't break through, no mountain you can't move. Things are possible. No, there's no broken body you can't raise. No soul that you can't save. All things are possible. The darkest night, you can light it up. You can light it up. Oh, God of Let hope arise, death is overcome, you've already won, oh God of revival, revive us God, revive us again Lord, you rose in victory, and now you're seated, forever on the throne, so I why should my heart fear 
what you defeated. I will trust in you alone. No prison. Because there's no prison. Wall you can't break through. No mountain you can't move. All things are possible. The dark continue with this. I'm going to ask if you want a breakthrough in your relationship with God, you want a renewal, you want a refreshing, I want you to move out from your chairs, come right up front here. We're going to lay hands on you for a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, all of you who thirst, come to me and drink. And out of your belly, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And he said this, he spoke of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that opens your eyes to God. It's the Holy Spirit that opens your heart to God. It's the Holy Spirit who opens your ears to hear God. It's not self-effort. It's spiritual power. So if you want that, you want a fresh and filling, a renewal with God, come up front and let's lay hands on you and let God pour His Spirit on you fresh and new. Come on, let's worship. Come awaken your people. Come awaken the city. Oh God of revival, pour it out, pour it out. Every stronghold will crumble. I hear the chains at the ground. Oh God of revival, pour it out, pour it out. Come awaken your people, come awaken the city, oh God of revival, pour it out, pour it out, every stronghold will crumble, I hear the chains hit the ground, oh God of revival, pour it out, pour it out, pour it out your Lord, oh, the darkest night, the darkest night, you can light it up, you can light it up, oh God of revival, let hope arise, death is overcome, you've already won, oh God of revival. your people come awake in the city oh god of revival pour it out pour it out every stronghold will crumble i hear the chains hit the ground oh god of revival pour it out pour it Make 
glad the city of our God. Oh, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of our God, and I will rejoice. I will rejoice and be glad. We rejoice in your presence today, God. I will rejoice. I will rejoice and be glad. We're going to continue to worship. There's a lot of people that want a fresh outpouring of the Spirit. I'm going to continue to lay hands. Mark and I are going to lay hands on them. Gary and Kathy, if you please come on up here and let's lay hands and let's bless and let Jesus be Jesus with Jesus' people and let the Spirit of God move among you. You can stay and you can worship. You can come up for prayer. You can sit. You can kneel. It's so good being back. It's so good seeing you face to face. But most importantly, let's let Jesus be Jesus in His house. Amen. God bless you online community. There's a fountain full of grace. There is a fountain. It's full of grace. And it flows from Emmanuel's veins. 